On today's show, Molly calls in with questions about the freelance business she started just six months ago. Top of mind for her, should she stay a sole proprietor or form an LLC? And now before the legal terms tempt you to click away, consider this. The single question that Molly asks could actually save you thousands of dollars a year in taxes, particularly if you live in the United States. So keep listening. That's just part of what we chat about with Molly today, and it all starts right now. I'm Preston. And I'm Clay. And this is Freelance to Founder. Clay and I have both been there, barely making ends meet as a freelancer, knowing there has to be more. But since then, we've each built multiple six or seven figure businesses. And now it's your turn. On this show, we're changing the lives of everyday freelancers just like you. Discovering this podcast a few months ago really like changed the trajectory of my journey. I'm not sure I would even be thinking about pushing this forward as much as I am if it weren't for YouTube. This has been really helpful and I, I think a good mindset shift for me. Really, really valuable stuff. I've made a ton of notes and I plan to put this stuff into action immediately. Discovering that I'm a founder instead of freelancer has been amazing for me. If you're ready to push past hourly rates and build a business that sets you free, then you've got to join us. You can call in yourself by visiting freelance2founder.com. We can't wait to chat with you. We'll be back with today's caller after this. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. My name is Preston Lee with Milo.co. And joining me on the air today is my friend Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Hey, Clay. Hey, how's it going? Feel good, man. Feeling good? Feeling yeah. good about this one? Feeling good. It's good. Uh, we're, we're feeling good because Molly's here joining us as well. Molly, I didn't catch before we hit record where you're calling from. Um, I'm in Bethesda, Maryland, which is just outside of Washington, D.C. Love it. Welcome to the show, Molly, and thank you so much for taking the time to call in. Thank you. Yeah, we were talking before we hit record that you were uh, you're thinking about it for a while, listened to the show for a little while, and um, hopefully by the end of your episode today, you can you can tell everyone how not scary it is. You don't you don't have to to come on the show. Uh, like Molly has today, you don't have to have like this giant business or have been in business for years and years. In fact, we love helping people who are just getting started. Um, and we just love no matter what stage you're at, we love helping you overcome that next hurdle in your freelance business on your way to becoming a founder of your own business. So Molly, thanks for having the courage to jump on the on the call today. We're really not that scary. And we look forward to chatting <laughs> with you about your business. Why don't you tell us, um, why don't you tell us just about you, about your business, about your clients, and and kind of where you're at right now in your freelancing. Sure. Um, so I am mainly a proposal writer and editor. Um, I've been freelancing since about January of this year after quitting my W-2 job, where I was a senior proposal writer and editor for a um, federal government contracting company. Hmm. And so um, still... My main client base is federal government contracting companies, usually small businesses, um, small by 
government contracting standards, not necessarily what we would think of as a really mm. small business. Um, yeah. And as well as, um, you know, just different nonprofits, different uh, industries, which has been really um, interesting and exciting because I get bored doing the same thing. And so it's really interesting to, you know, learn about different businesses and what they do. So I've really enjoyed that so far. Um, I love it. So let me make yeah. sure I'm understanding what you do. So in, mm-hmm. in proposal writing, I assume you sit down with the client and the client wants to make a proposal, maybe in, in an example, like they're sending a proposal to the government to, to try to win a, a project or something. Mm-hmm. And and so they maybe give you all the information and you write it out in a clear, concise way that increases their chances of winning that bid. Is that kind of what the work you do? Yeah, essentially. And there's usually, um, you know, a pretty tight timeline. And uh, the Mm. federal government has really strict requirements for what goes into a proposal. So if you miss one small thing, it might get thrown out and not even read. Mm. And you've spent all of that time and work and effort and your proposal doesn't even get looked at. So having someone who's a professional proposal writer come in, you can make sure that it's compliant, which is a big word uh, in our industry, that you're submitting a compliant uh, proposal that's also compelling. So interesting to read, uh, answers all of the government's questions um, and, you know, wins hopefully the business. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And how long have you been in business? You said just first of the year, right? Were Mm you... Were you so it's June right now, time of recording, and and um, so first of this year, have you did you do it on the side at all before, or or is this your first foray into working for yourself? Um, I didn't do it on the side before, although I have had many different odd jobs over the <laughs> course of my <laughs> career. Um, but I I was just a just a full time you know proposal writer for one company. And, um, just got, you know, kind of burnt out, uh, at that and decided, you know, I wanted to take some time off. And then after that, um, I had been getting a lot of outreach on LinkedIn, um, from businesses about, um, new full-time positions. And I thought, you know, maybe I can just do this as a freelancer instead. Mm. And that's been successful so far. I love it. Have you been able to convert any of those people reaching out on LinkedIn into freelance clients or jobs? I'm just curious. Yes. Some people have, have been able to do mm-hmm. that with great success. Yeah. I I get a lot of um, you know, cold outreach on LinkedIn from recruiters. And yeah. I'll always tell them, um, you know, thanks so much for reaching out to me. I'm not interested in, you know, a full-time position at this time. However, if you're interested, I also, you know, do some consulting work and would love to speak with you about that if you're interested. And Usually they they are they don't always hire me um, mm. just because they're some maybe they've never used a, a consultant or a contractor but um, yeah it I, it has been successful. That's a great way of uh, kind of non intrusive sales. Mm-hmm. You it's know? really inbound sales. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah, we had a whole episode. I think we ended up titling it "Clients Hiding in Plain Sight." Um, and it was all about that. Someone I'm trying to remember who it was and I may be able to pull it up here while I talk, but, um, I remember someone was getting tons of inbound inquiries on LinkedIn and they started Mm -hmm. converting that into, um, let's see, Jim, Jim. Yeah. We had Jim on and, uh, anyway, 
Mm-hmm. Started converting that into to clients. And I, I love just the idea of like always keeping your eyes out. Some people are like, oh, I just get so many LinkedIn requests. And it's like, well, could you leverage that? You know, could you use that to your advantage? So good for you. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, I respond to all of them. Um, one way or another. So, and, you know, even if you can't work with somebody at the time, people will circle back around. So. I love it. Well, let's talk about where your business is headed then. Uh, We have kind of an idea of what your business looks like so far. Thanks for sharing that with us. Every time we have a guest on like Molly today, we ask you to fill out a short questionnaire. And um, on that questionnaire, we ask you to rate on a scale of one to 10 where you are currently and where you'd like to be. One being you're completely a freelancer, 10 being you're a founder of a company, running a company, systems in place, processes in place. The business can run without you. That's kind of what a 10 looks like um, in our book. But Molly, you put that you're currently at a two and you weren't quite sure on, on the other end where you'd like to be a year from now. You put that mm-hmm. maybe a five would work for you, but why don't you paint us a picture? Like if you could, if you could, if you could picture a year from now, ideal scenario for your business, what does it look like? We get people coming on the show all the time and here's what they say. I know you guys preach the importance of hiring, but where do I even start in order to hire the right person? Well, here's your answer. Start with LinkedIn jobs. I've used LinkedIn to hire members of my team, and here's why you should too. First of all, it's super fast. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Imagine this time tomorrow, you could be interviewing your next team member. Plus, LinkedIn isn't just a job board, it helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Over 70% of active LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not hiring on LinkedIn, you're really missing out. My favorite part, posting a job on LinkedIn is completely free. Like I said, I've done it myself and it took like 10 minutes. It didn't cost me a thing. And suddenly I had tons of qualified applicants to pick from. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure just because, um, I think like, like I was telling you guys earlier before we started recording, you know, I, I don't know what I don't know. And so mm-hmm. I'm really, um, kind of taking this year as my sort of exploration and experimentation year, um, to, to see what works and what's possible. Um, but some things that I definitely do know, um, is that, you know, I want a steady, you know, stream of clients, stream of income, um, the ability to, you know, take jobs that really align with my, um, you know, passions and interests and not, you know, not just taking a job to take it. Not that I've done that. I love all of my clients. Um, (laughs) but just to be able to, you know, maybe work with some really interesting, uh, unique clients that I haven't worked with before. Um, and then still have the flexibility to, you know, take time off when I need and travel, um, which is, that was kind of, you know, my main motivation in the first place to become a freelancer. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to lose that. Um, but also don't want to leave money on the table. Yeah. Congratulations to, 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 uh, coming into the world of freelancing where you want to take all the time off you want, but in reality, <laughs> you're going to work like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why we're here, right? Because so many people yeah. so many people come into this like, yes, I'm going to have all this freedom. <laughs> and then if you're not careful, yeah, you totally just make another job for yourself. Yeah. And it may even be a more demanding job than you had before. 
Um, Because not only are you doing the work, but now you're running a business. It just, it can become really overwhelming. And so (laughs) Clay is, you're, you're sort of joking, Clay, but, but I mean, it's based in reality. Like that's, Oh, it's true. It's a scary reality. And I mean, it happens. It happens like eventually, but you got to get past that hump, you know? Yep. And that's what we're going to help Molly do today. I think Molly, why don't you tell us maybe some of the hurdles that you see right in front of you that we could help you with uh to take your business to that level that you want to you know a little more freedom more passionate about your projects more clients a steady stream of clients like where where do we start what's a what's a hurdle you're facing um so i think mainly at the moment um having sort of inconsistent hours so like sometimes i'll you know be working 30 hours a week sometimes i'll be working zero hours a week Mm. and it all you know evens out in the end and you know i um do okay and you know make enough to get by but you know eventually i'd like to get to the point where i really can plan out my schedule a little bit more um as opposed to just sort of picking up things on like an emergency basis, which, mm-hmm. you know, happens a lot because people are calling me because, you know, they're, they're down a person or, you know, they don't have the right person. And this proposal is due in, you know, 14 days or 30 days, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think with some of my, um, ongoing clients that I've been working with the whole time I've been freelancing, um, I'm hoping to introduce, you know, sort of a retainer if they'll go for it. Um, to be able to say, you know, you guys have consistently used me, um, and my services for the past six months. So like, let's, let's set up, you know, a sort of recurring system. Um, but I'm just really not that busy yet that I can kind of, you know, turn down, uh, you know, those sort of emergency kind of jobs. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I love that. So the, so the question is like, how, how do you, well, you you tell me if this is right. Is the question um, how do I get busy enough that I can plan my work schedule a bit more and it's less up and down? And also, um, you know, if if folks are saying, "Hey, I really need you for this emergency. Um, it's going to be full time. You know, eighty hours for the next two weeks. Can you do it?" And I am like, "No, but you know, I could do forty. And then at the end of the day, they only end up using me for 10 hours <laughs> mm. instead of the original 80 that they thought that they needed. Um, so that, that? that disconnect, I'm not real sure of. I don't know. Yeah. I wonder if it's, um, you know, they, they don't quite know how to, how to use me in the best way. And they also want to, you know, limit the amount of hours, even if they've already contracted me for a certain number of hours and it's been Mm. approved. So I'm not, I'm not Mm. really sure. So are you charging by the hour? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's, so that's, I I don't think Clay and I will kick a dead horse on this episode. Um, (laughs) There are, there are lots, and this isn't this, that wasn't a dig at you at all, Molly. I'm just saying there are, we've, we've talked about this quite a bit lately on the podcast. So I'll, I'll send you a few episodes or you could even just go back even in the last what would you say clay like the last five to ten episodes we've probably touched on this three four five times um really in depth but but let's just let's skim over it for you because i think i think that'll work and then we can get into some of these other questions that you have but but really quickly charging by the hour is going to do you a disservice um and you're maybe seeing that a little bit already because you plan for 80 hours worth of pay right 
or work and they only employ you for 10 hours and then you only get paid for 10 hours. Now, it might be that you're so efficient that they thought they needed someone for 80 hours, but you do such a great job, but you get it done in 10 hours. Well, the value is still there, right? The value they hired you for, the mm-hmm. end result they hired you for, still there. Just mm-hmm. because you did it faster, you as the freelancer shouldn't be penalized for that. And that's what hourly charging does. And so we would invite you to, to look at your pricing that way. And when someone calls you and says, I'm in a huge emergency, first of all, that's a great sales opportunity. And we can dive into that a little bit later. But I'm in a big emergency. I need you for 80 hours. You say, great, I don't charge by the hour, but here's what I do charge for you know these emergency type situations where you need help with a proposal. I'll, I'll charge you you know five mm-hmm. grand or whatever, and we'll get it done. Um, then you then you don't have to worry about like if I get it done sooner, I get paid less. Mm-hmm. What's really going to blow your mind, Molly, is that client that was willing to pay you for quote unquote eighty hours of work. Let's just say it was five grand, and you only charged a thousand. They're probably sitting over there thinking, man, we got all that done for only $1,000? Like, great. But they were willing mm-hmm. to pay five grand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, these are made-up numbers, but... Yeah, so you're missing out on all that extra pay because you, you have to kind of start asking yourself, like, what, what is the value to the client if they... For example, if this proposal wins, you know, I don't know how much your clients are getting out of a, a one proposal, but I would assume it's a fair amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you can leverage that, if you say like, okay, a proposal that Molly works on has a, you know, five times more likelihood of winning, then you can, you can really charge for that. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter how many hours you put into it. It's like the Molly stamp of approval. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, it, I, I have thought about that. I'm I'm not sure how it would work just because from everyone I've seen doing this kind of work in the proposal industry, that it has been, you know, hourly. Um but yeah, it's something to look into, I suppose. The and also the the other thing would be maybe for a certain amount of time, like you know, if if you need my help for a month, but I, I guess I would just worry about, you know, the scope creep of like, okay, we've paid yeah, you $5,000 and now we want you to do this, 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 and this, because we have you until the due date of this proposal. Yeah, that, that definitely is a risk. Um, I would say, first of all, on the issue of everyone charging by the hour, I think that that is a non-issue. Um, you know, if you go back and listen to Clay's story, he started charging monthly for websites where most people were charging, you you know, charge up front mm-hmm. a larger sum for, for a website. And so um, I, I think- swear I was the first one in the entire world to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, I was. <laughs> we will claim it. And uh, and and it worked like in a big way. Um, so I think I think changing up the pricing can actually. Lean in your favor. Um, you stand out from the competition. You're a little bit different. People pause and think about it. But um, on the other issue of of like scope creep, I think you could just very easily easily set the scope, or you could even you know you could even like test the waters on this. And Clay, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too. I'm talking a lot. I apologize, but I wonder if Molly, you could set like a minimum, like in order to book me, it's a minimum you know thirty five hundred dollars. And if you want, and then on top of that, I charge whatever you know, another thousand dollars a week, again, all made up numbers. But um, then if they only employ you for 10 hours, you've at least got your minimum amount out of it. 
Um, yeah. We used to do this on, uh, believe it or not, back in the day, I used to work construction. Um, and every construction crew, like there's, there's, you know, like there's just a certain, it's not worth doing the job unless you hit a certain dollar amount. You know what yeah. I mean? Yep. Um, because you have overhead, you have costs and things like that. Um, and so like for us, like our, our minimum job requirement was like a thousand dollars. And so it didn't matter how, if it was an hour of work or four hours of work or eight hours of work, like the minimum was a thousand. Yep. So mm. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I've also, um, I, oh, sorry. <laughs> I've thought about, um, you know, maybe charging, uh, 20% upfront and then just, you know, having like a non-refundable sort of deposit on, you know, the total amount. So like, hmm. um, doing that and then, you know, that's non-refundable. So like it's a 20% deposit upfront. I will bill like, my hours against that. But if you don't use the whole amount, then you're not getting it back. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's another way that that would definitely work, particularly if you're seeing a very common trend. Like, I don't know if you sort of made those numbers up on the fly or if you quite often have someone book you for 80 and bill, and, and employ you for 10. No, I start just made to that figure up. Out, okay. <laughs> but you could start to look at those numbers, right? And say like, oh, I really am, you know, one eighth of the time. So that's what 12 and a half percent. So, um, you know, I'm going to have a 20 or 25% non-refundable deposit so that I'm guaranteed at least. Yeah. You just, you just Mm. have to work out the math, but I think that's, that's a great way to look at it. I would respectfully, uh, (laughs) disagree. disagree. That's all right. And let me tell you why. Anytime, anytime you have to do math, you're going to lose somebody. (laughs) I like no joke. I mean, even though that's like simple math, but anytime you have to make somebody do math Mm. or you have to explain math, that is friction to sale. Mm. Uh, That's a good point. So like when, cause you're saying you would say to the client, it's going to be 20% of seven grand. And they're like, well, 20%. Yeah. And then, (laughs) and then if you add on to like, oh yeah, I'll put it up against my, I'll, 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 what did you say? Uh, Molly, you said something like you'll count your hours towards it and blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. And like, now I'm like, I don't know what the F like I'm paying for. <laughs> just That's forget a good it. Point. I'll just go to the person next next in line who's just going to charge me a flat fee. Yeah, the minimum payment basically gets you the same thing without all the math, <laughs> right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The okay. math, the math. I love math. Okay, um, <laughs> but it's like math doesn't make sense like in a sales in my opinion in a sales pitch like if you have to like date there's a difference between data and math right like so if you if if the prospect has to do math in their head you've lost them that's it mm-hmm. so like avoid that situation okay yeah and you and you can do the math on the back end in your business right and say like if I want to book an average of 20% non-refundable deposit, I'm going to need to, I, my, my base fee should just be $2,000 or whatever. Yeah. And then, and then it all kind of evens out over the average of all your clients. I, I like that. I it's, agree. You, you persuaded me, Clay. <laughs> <laughs> it's because the math confused you, didn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
That's exactly uh, right. Let, <laughs> Ma, let me ask you a question. So, like, are your are the jobs that you do are they all pretty typical? Like the same process? Um, like same I framework? Think, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, like over and over again. I mean, I know the words are different, but like the process and the frameworks the same. Um, well, it just depends on because I'm I'm working with the folks at the company also, so it depends on you know how many people on their team and how many meetings they have, you know. Uh-huh. So I'm kind of like a part of their team for the the period that I'm working for them as well. Okay. So it's not just like I go off somewhere and write something and give it back to them. It's like a really collaborative yeah. um, process. And that's a little bit different every time. Do you have a pretty good idea? Like if you were to do a, a discovery call or introductory call with them, mm-hmm. do you have a pretty good idea of like how long that project's going to take based off um, your experience? Well, yes, because there's typically a due date on the proposal. So it's, you know, 30 days, 60 days, um, two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, now I would just create packages. I would create a, a you know, not maybe not packages, but I would just, I would just do a, like a, a flat fee. You know, if it's a 30 day thing, if somebody approached you and, and they, you did a call with them and it's like the due dates in 30 days, like, okay, you have a 30 day, whatever your 30 day fee is. Right. Um, or if it's 60 days, whatever your 60 day fee is, um, because if the process is the same and the framework's the same, I mean, there's going to be some standard deviation there, but like if it's generally the same, um, then and you're spending you know close to the same amount of time for these like types of projects you know like a 30 day project it's close to the same amount of time i would just i would just like say hey my fee for this particular project's $2500 and then mm-hmm. i would just ask for all that money up front like that's what i would do hmm. yeah the other thing that creates friction in the sales process we have found at least is a proposal. Now, sometimes I know that can be different when you're working with like very official government types and um, things like that. But like a proposal, a lot of times can get in the way of closing the deal instead of just saying like, here's what I offer. Here are three packages I offer. Mm-hmm. Sounds like this is going to take 45 days. That would fall in my 30 to 60 day package. And that is $3,500 or whatever. Um yep. Again, we we continue to make up numbers. Feel free to fill in with real numbers if you'd like, Molly. But um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I, it, it adds so much clarity, and you just get to that that sale point, the yes or no, so much quicker. Mm-hmm. It helps you plan yeah. your time more too. Yeah, well, and that's that's always the thing because, like I said, everyone's a little bit different, and so I guess my worry would be if I say, you know this is my 30 day package. Are they considering me their full-time employee for the next 30 days? Mm. Because maybe they're working on it every day. Um, but mm. I'm not necessarily working on their stuff well, every day. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. That's, that's the, that's where you just set those expectations up front. Mm. So you don't, you don't guess. I, I don't, don't ever guess what they're thinking. You tell them what is included. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you make sure in the proposal that, hey, here's the exact work scope and this is how I work. You know what I mean? And make that very, very clear. It's, it's kind of like buying anything, right? Like, you know, if, if someone's going to sell a car, 
And they're like, oh, I'm worried people are going to think it has a sunroof and it doesn't. Well, I'm going to list that, right? I'm going to list mm-hmm. the features it has and doesn't have so that people know exactly what they're getting for the price that they're paying. And I think it's I think it's just like that when you list your services. This is this is basically productizing your service. And that would be a good thing for you to search and research and learn about is productizing services. But you're mm-hmm. basically saying like, instead of a service, well, it is a service, but it's a service as a product. And so that means that I'm going to lay out all the features of this product. The feature might be, I will work up to three hours a day on your project for 30 days. Um, you know, I will be available Monday through Friday. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll communicate via email or phone. Like you, you lay out all these things so the client knows exactly what mm-hmm. they're getting. You know, I did, I had the same similar concern, Molly, whenever I decided to do my websites on a monthly fee. Mm-hmm. Um, because not, 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 not the monthly fee specifically, but simultaneously what I decided to do, which was bizarre at the time, um, to, to include in website packages was I said, you get unlimited content updates and they get done within one business day. Included. Mm-hmm. I didn't charge hourly on top of my, my fee. And so that was never heard of. Like nobody ever did that. In fact, all my web design friends told me I was freaking nuts. Um, so the gamble was, it's like, man, what happens if like I get a client who says like, oh, great, unlimited changes, like um, unlimited content changes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to request like a million changes a month. And then all of a sudden there goes my profit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this all comes down to two things. One, I already said it, expectations, right? But two, pre-qualifying. You got to pre-qualify them. So asking the right questions during your your discovery call whatever you whatever you call it um and making sure that you know that not only do they know the expectations but also are they going to do they understand the expectations and and are they going to not take advantage of you know a situation or or overstep the boundaries right um, mm-hmm. Because if you yeah. ask those right questions on the front end and there's some red flags, boom, you don't take them as a client. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I, I do feel like I'm pretty a pretty good judge of character or judge of, uh, you know, state of crisis a team is in mm-hmm. where, <laughs> you know, if it, if it looks a little yeah. too crazy, I might say, well, I don't know if I can help you with this right now. Um, and you know what? You know what you do? You, you charge a crazy fee. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you, you can still a, take it on. Yeah, I I had a former boss that told me that as well. He was like, "If you don't want to do something, just tell them it's five hundred dollars an hour and see what they say." So yeah, I was like, "Wow." Well, yeah, because so, either you get paid five hundred dollars an hour <laughs> to do a crazy job, or you don't have to deal with them. It's a win win for you. There's not right. a, there's not a downside. Yeah, and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, jokes aside, really, that's that's it, particularly. It sounds like you have clients calling in emergency state all the time. Man, people are mm-hmm. willing to pay money when they feel like they are in a crunch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, but we don't want to take advantage of that in like a, a predatory kind of way because no, I want them to also absolutely. be, you know, ongoing clients and, um, you know, come back and have a make sure that they feel like the exorbitant amount that they paid was worth it. Yeah, you're not you're not taking advantage. You are you are justifying your vip priority status 
Yeah. That you're going to like charge that. them to move them to the front of the line. Mm-hmm. I That's like it. That's what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I love how everything we're saying, Molly, is sort of like, I half believe you guys. <laughs> the other half of me All thinks right. you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, this is really... Even the way you said no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. That's all right. I I mean, these are, these are particularly where you're new in, in um, figuring this out. And, and we don't know your industry as well as you do too. Right. So like we always say on the show, we, we have some good ideas. We think some ideas that have worked for other people. Definitely. We've been doing this long enough uh, that we know our ideas tend to work for people. Um, But every industry is different. But I think a lot of these things are worth experimenting um, within your business and seeing how they pan out. Molly, mm-hmm. we're, um, we're I, I don't know, Clay, I feel like Clay and I are maybe talking a lot. I want to make sure we get in everything you want to chat about and that we're headed in the right direction. Is this helpful? Have other questions now arisen? Is there is there something we've left out that you'd like to tackle now? Um, where should um, we take the episode from here, do you think? Yeah, so I also wanted to ask you all about, you know, your thoughts on the benefits and drawbacks of having an LLC versus just, um, you know, staying as I am, which is just a 1099 employee, meaning that I don't actually have a business entity. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, when you are going to have employees and when, you know, your business grows beyond a certain point, that's essential. Um, and so at this point it's not essential for me, but what do you think about, you know, being a 1099 forever or should you eventually, have a business entity and like, what are the benefits of that? Yeah. Good question. Clay, do you want to start or do you want me to? Um, first of all, uh, we are not lawyers and CPAs. Oh yeah. (laughs) Thanks. There's a disclaimer. (laughs) Uh, I don't mind. Um, that, yeah, there's, there's, these, these are drastic differences between 1099 and LLC or, or S corporate, basically corporation. Um, I would say like as long as you have consistent work coming in, um, I think you are, it's way more beneficial to form a corporation of some sort. Um, Probably an LLC, talk to a CPA or an attorney. But um, the reason is, well, first of all, I can tell you right now, you would save a ton in taxes. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. as a 1099, you're getting charged, you're getting charged at the highest tax rate. Um. There's a way to do this to where you can save money in taxes where basically if you're like an LLC and your taxes an S corp, you can pay yourself a reasonable salary um, where instead of like, let's just say like right now you're at 1099 and you get paid 5k for a job. A lot of people who are 1099s, they'll just, automatically take that 5k and consider that as personal income and go spend it right um but what you do instead as a corporation you you make 5k but you're only paying yourself a thousand dollars a month right so even if even if uh next month you make 10k your salary is a thousand dollars a month and you can increase your salary according to you know or, or distribution what's called distribution um according to how much revenue you're bringing in. So the more revenue you bring in, you give yourself a pay raise. But basically, you are your own W-2 salaried employee of your own company. You actually get a pay stub. Um, so you save taxes that way. Yeah, what what that does is it helps you not have to pay self-employment tax. 
So you instead of instead of paying personal income tax and self-employment tax, which is what you would pay as a 1099 uh, worker, now instead your business pays taxes at a lower rate than self-employment tax. Yeah. And then you play you still pay your personal income tax. And it really it really makes the biggest difference once you start getting into like the 60 to 100k plus a year. Uh, in revenue, and and this is in the U.S. So if you're listening outside of the U.S., we're not sure what how it works in other countries. But in the U.S., um, you know, definitely that S corp election, and these are all mm. sort of big, confusing words and terms. Definitely worth talking to a CPA. Or we are affiliate partners with a company called Collective. I'm a personal customer of theirs, meaning my business is a customer of theirs. Um, and yeah, they save me probably twelve to fifteen thousand dollars a year on taxes. Um, maybe more at this point, uh, I haven't looked in a while, but they save me a lot on taxes. And so that's maybe the biggest benefit. I would say too, Molly, in your particular field, um, and I should say, well, let me backtrack for one second. We will link to collective and I'll make sure to send you a link as well. Molly, we do have an affiliate link, but like I said, I'm a customer. I highly recommend them. Um, they do all your taxes. They do your personal taxes and your business taxes. They'll set up your LLC and your S corp election. They'll, they'll set up all the stuff we've talked about kind of on autopilot for you. And then you just have access to their team. It's really, really nice. Um, okay. okay. So yeah. And then, and then the other reason you might want to consider it, uh, the LLC is you might know that LLC stands for limited liability corporation. And, and I think in your industry, this might be particularly important when clay designs a website or when I write articles for people, it it's, it's kind of low risk, right? Like, you know, my clients aren't going to lose out on a billion dollar government contract. And I don't know if that's how your clients are or what the numbers really look like, but it sounds like every once in a while there might be some pretty high stakes. What an LLC does is protects you personally from any sort of lawsuit. So if a client came and said, we are, we are positive we would have won that if you had not mm-hmm. missed this detail that got our proposal mm-hmm. thrown out, right? They right now as a 1099 worker, they can sue you. They can take your personal assets, your home, your bank account, everything that belongs to Molly. Now, if you set up Molly LLC, they can they can only sue for assets that your company owns, and then your personal assets are safe. So obviously that's a worst case scenario and probably will never happen, but it but that is one of the major other major advantages of forming an LLC instead of just yeah. being a sole yeah. proprietor. But nobody, and, but nobody ever thinks it's going to happen until it happens. <laughs> until it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually it was, um, one of my first clients in, in our contract said you have to have uh, professional liability insurance, which I had never heard of. Um, mm, yeah. and so I actually had to get, um, you know, a separate insurance policy through my, you know, car insurance provider to get mm. like a million dollars in professional liability insurance mm-hmm. for, things like that. Um, you know, which was kind of a bummer. It was like $400 a year or something. Um, but I definitely think, yeah, like eventually the LLC is probably the way to go. Um, because yeah, there are definitely some, some high stakes. Um, and I, I think too, my other question more broadly would be, um, you know, like I said, before, like, you know, I, I got into freelancing because I, I love having that freedom and want to make, you know, the most money mm-hmm. with the least amount of hours work. <laughs> and <we> so, <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know. Some people, they like to work a lot. Um, That's true. But, <laughs> but, 
you know, I, I do see an opportunity, you know, down the line when people are asking, oh, do you also do graphic design for a proposal? Do you also do proposal management? You know, there's like different aspects to creating a, a proposal package where I think, oh, I do know somebody like, let me tell, you know, you could, you could call this person, you could call this person. You know, if I had some sort of an agency where someone could come to me and then I could subcontract it out, that's definitely, and, and that's a common thing that, um, that other people have done in yeah. the proposal interest industry. But, um, you know, I, I'm kind of wondering, you know, is that just more, more work than it's worth at the end of the day? Like, will I just be bogged down with a bunch of administrative tasks and never be able to get away? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think this is a really interesting question because, you know, we, we've talked about this on the show before where it's like every everyone who runs a business at some point, if you start as a solopreneur or a freelancer, at some point you have to decide, am I going to am I going to primarily do the work that the business requires that the client work, the deliverable work, or am I going to do the work of running the business? Because at some point you can't do both of those all the time and still grow your business. Now, if you don't want to really grow and you want to continue to do both of those things and be a solopreneur or a freelancer forever, then that obviously can work and make sense. But if you want your business to grow, you have to you have to either hire people to help you uh, with sort of the the creative work, the deliverable, the client work, and you have to hire them, or you have to hire someone to run the business, someone who understands finances and bookkeeping and even like client management and invoicing and stuff like that, but actually running a business. Because if you want the business to grow, at some point you will run out of hours. And this thing where you're talking about where, you'll, where you're worried like, am I going to not have as much free time or as much flexibility? That's actually going to happen if you don't hire one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and right now, you know, it's just money that goes into a bank account that I manage and I have no, you know, sort of expenses and I, my only reporting is to my clients. And so, yeah, I, I guess I was just a little daunted by, you know, having the responsibility of, of other people and their work mm. and their, you know, those different kinds of paperwork related things. Are you, are you good at uh, project management? Is that something you enjoy doing? Um, yeah, definitely. It's, it's sort of part of proposals. Um, but you know, it's sort of yes, but not if it's going to make more work, (laughs) which is why I'm a proposal writer and not a manager because they have, you know, sort of the most work and the most responsibility and, you know, it's a pretty juggling a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's what I was going to say. Like, I think, I think it all really depends on whether or not one, you, you enjoy juggling a lot of things like that. And two, are you Mm -hmm. good at it? If the Mm -hmm. answer to both of those is yes, then on paper, it makes sense to do that because it is more money. It's an easy sell. It's an easy cross sell um, versus going out and getting a brand new proposal client. Um, And as long as you charge enough money to justify, you know, the time to manage those projects, then to me, it makes sense. Now, one thing you have to keep in mind is if you if you go that route, that's time taken away from where you could work on actual proposal stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so keep that in mind as far as like allocation of time. But if you can actually 
you know, if you, if you, if you like made $500 an hour on proposals, but you directly doing it, but if you can make $750 an hour managing projects from like a cross sell, like on paper, that makes sense. Um, but also keep in mind too, like if you're going to do this, I would 100% uh, formulate some sort of LLC oh, yeah. uh, because mm-hmm. if you subcontract, mm-hmm. you're still responsible, not not the subcontractor. Well, Molly, this has been so much fun. We're unfortunately out of time today with this episode, but thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you let the listeners know really quick where they can connect with you, learn from you, um, maybe if they want to hire you, things like that. Yeah, so you can just find me on um, LinkedIn, and I believe the the link to my profile will be in the show notes. So, would love to you know speak to anyone interested in you know either my services or about proposals or anything in general. So, all right, perfect. Well, Molly, thanks cool. again for joining us. I've been Preston Lee with Milo.co, and of course, my friend Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Thank you guys so much for the great conversation today. We'll see you. Thank Thank you. you guys. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of Freelance to Founder, a collaboration between Milo, Dripify, and the Poglomerate. You can find links to my business, Milo, Clay's business, Dripify, and of course, our podcasting partner, the Podglomerate, all in the description of this episode. Remember to call in for your own episode at FreelanceToFounder.com. A very special thank you to the members of the Milo and Podglomerate teams who work behind the scenes to make this production possible. To stream past episodes, visit FreelanceToFounder.com or search FreelanceToFounder wherever you get your podcasts. And that's it for now. Until next time, see ya. We will see you guys on the next episode of Freelance to Founder.